listening to Rattle and Pedal, diversion thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay. So Jeff, we were talking about how to set this up. We're doing a brand breakdown today and you made a really good point, which is let's set this up by talking about the feedback we've actually gotten from some of the firms we've broken down. And I think in some ways in the context of it, I think it's interesting the responses we get, but the probably the best one we got, and I guess this is a brief thank you, is the folks at Clarkston Consulting when we broke down their brand, they were really appreciative, gave a lot of like you know, thank yous for the assessment. And even sent us a copy of the CEO's book, each of us a copy of the book. So no pressure to other firms we're going to break down, but that's kind of the bar that's been set is that you're going to send us something. So we're kind of expecting something here in return. Just just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I thought the feedback, the email that we received from the marketing leader there was really cool. And what made it cool was her sincerity. She appreciated the feedback, but as any good marketer would do, said, yeah, well, I don't agree with you totally. You know, she took pride in her firm and pushed back on some of the critiques. And I was happy to see that and respected it because I had made a comment along the lines of, you know, solid, great marketing. It was something like safe and boring or something like that that I had commented on. And that on some level offended somebody. Why would that offend somebody? Yeah. Open mouth, insert foot. That's Jeff McKay. Well, you know, we all have our moments, right? So, hey, before we get into this, on a completely unrelated note, completely unrelated. (laughs) Speaking of segues. If we ever rebrand Rattle and Pedal and call it a different name or something, I have the perfect name. Okay. Because (laughs) if we were to go back... And listen to every one of your cold opens. <laughs> I suspect the majority of them would start with, so, Jeff. So, Jeff. So, Jeff. <laughs> so, Jeff, I've been thinking. <laughs> what a great name that would be. So, comma, Jeff. <laughs> Not that, well, that. That seems about right. You know, like, <laughs> I thought for sure you'd have the, I've been thinking on that, dependent on that, you know, like, <laughs> I've been thinking, and then that's that's really where everything goes off the rails, right? Well, that's I, that's what led to so many of our phone calls uh, before, <laughs> right? If I've been thinking, I need to bounce this off somebody. Well, so in the inter- what I thought you were going to say, by the way, what I thought you were going to say is the name of the firm that we're breaking down today is a firm called WiseLine. And every time I hear the name WiseLine, I want to say Wise Guys. So I thought you were going to say that you want to, we were going to rename it Two Wise Guys. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that's for sure that's where we're going to go. All right. We're doing a brand breakdown on a firm called WiseLine. It's, it's WiseLine with a Z, W-I-Z-E-L-I-N-E, WiseLine.com. And we found this firm looking for a UX firm. So we actually had sort of specifically picked uh, the category of user experience within Clutch and did a random selection off that. And of course, you know, UX is a service offering of this firm, but they're not a UX only firm. It's a broader firm. But before we break it down, let's talk about why we do these, because I think that's a good thing to do for listeners before they listen to us do another breakdown of a firm's, you know, outward facing marketing expression. Why are we doing these? And just so that they can kind of buckle up for the ride. Was that a question? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm asking you. (laughs) Well, I subscribe to the thinking that there are a lot of smart people in this world 
and you can learn a lot from others if you just keep your mouth shut and pay attention to what other people are saying and doing. And when you do open your mouth, asking great questions to go deeper on what other people are, are saying. And for me, the brand breakdowns are kind of like that. There are so many professional services firms and so many of them are doing great things, but you don't get to see them all unless they're maybe competing in your space or they reach a certain size, you know, like the big four in accounting or the big three in, in strategy. But there are so many cool firms out there. Yeah. And the breakdowns are somewhat selfish from, from my perspective, because as a consultant and a fractional CMO, I get to go deep and look at what these firms are doing and get to learn so much that I find transferable to, to my clients and, and prospects. And I, I have to think that leaders in firms and, and the marketers and, and salespeople if they just took a, a time to, to go look at these other firms, could learn a lot that they could apply to their own firms. Yeah, I agree 100%. I appreciate you saying that because I do think the essence of it is learning. So it's all about looking for fresh ideas, seeing different takes, seeing different approaches, and learning from those and thinking about things you might do differently or things that you might be doing really well. As well. So again, we do these in the interest of learning for everyone involved, ourselves included, right? To your point. So I will add this. I will add yeah. this. One of the things I've noticed as, as we've done these brand breakdowns and as a consultant, and I suspect most consultants would probably articulate something like this for the clients they serve, that generally you find, you know, that 60 to 80% of what a firm is doing is either the same as everybody else, or they have the same problems, the same challenges, they don't execute well in a particular area or something like that. And sometimes the brand breakdowns, you can hear, well, all firms don't do that well, or you said that on your last podcast or something like that. And it can be hard to distinguish you know, firm one from firm two for firm three, because when we score them, they all seem to get the same score for the same reason. I think that's important learning right there, that those are core elements that you need to be working on. But more important, I think when we do these brand breakdowns, we're looking for what is really setting this firm apart. What can firms really take away from, from this brand breakdown and apply to their firms, you know, today? Or at least examine in a way that maybe they haven't before. No, I agree. Okay, let's get rolling here. I don't want to lose time too much. So just a quick reminder, there's six elements of the brand breakdown. There's positioning, intellectual capital or point of view, solutions architecture, firm personality, brand identity, and employer brand. And those are all weighted in different ways with, loosely speaking, the first things being weighted more heavily than the things last scored on a total of potential 100 points. So let's break it down. Let's start with positioning. So again, the firm is wise line. You want to give us maybe, I guess, maybe you can describe the positioning or even at the highest level, just describe the firm. I think that would be helpful for listeners. 
and then what you thought of the positioning, and then we'll go from there. I can't believe we've never heard of this firm. I have never heard of this firm. I've never seen it in competing against any of, of my clients, but it was an impressive firm. We looked it up under UX, and UX is one of those dimensions of digital transformation. So this is an IT services and, and consulting firm that has, I think, a somewhat unique operating model, but its focus is on product and platform development. It helps Fortune 500 and startup companies essentially develop applications. Do you feel like it was well, well articulated and was it clear to you who they were trying to attract and why this kind of wrap of that, I guess, in general? I thought their positioning was clear. We're a product and application development firm specializing in those two categories. It was a simple description. To me, it was clear, but it was a yawner, right? It, it didn't really resonate. It sounded like every other firm yeah. that does digital transformation. Yeah, that was my take as well. I mean, I, I, I noticed in the in the scoring that you scored them a little higher, but I just found like they're kind of like umbrella language to be really kind of hollow and just sort of vague. And I seem to have lost it because they've got a, a carousel on the homepage. So it was there a second ago and then disappeared. But but it basically, it says something along the lines of a global technology services provider, global growing fast. I thought they had some just sort of vague claims like or vague language, it, it was all. I do want to preface this. I wanted to preface this from the beginning. Like This firm looks like they are exceptionally successful, that they are doing very, very well. And you just get the sense from everything you're seeing that they are a very high performing firm growing at a really rapid clip. And so as you see, as or at least for me, as I was seeing things that I was like, oh, that doesn't seem all that well put together in that regard. I always kind of, in the back of my head, reconciled that with, yeah, yes, but this firm is doing really well working with great clients on great projects. So you get the sense they're in this you know, great place right now where demand is radically exceeding supply. And as a result, the marketing edges maybe are not quite, you know, being as crisp in positioning language is probably not quite as important because there's plenty of work for them would be kind of my summation of, of why the positioning seems a little, little vague and flat to me. The positioning to me sounded just like every other firm's marketing brochure, right? Yeah. And talking about the ever-changing, ever-evolving, constantly changing, you know, business landscape and technology and firms trying to achieve digital transformation and, and all of that stuff. But the two things that really stood out for me around this firm that strengthened its positioning may not have necessarily been intended, but communicated very strongly, you know, those kind of three attributes that I talk around building brand preference, expertise, results, and and harmony slash simpatico. <laughs> harmony, 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 harmony. And the first one is the leadership team. When you look at the leadership team bios, you realize this is a pretty impressive firm that was started by a, a former Google executive. And if you're looking for a IT consulting firm to help you develop products, wouldn't you want somebody with the credibility of having developed significant products at Google at the helm of a firm like that? And when you look at the other executives on the teams, they all have great pedigrees. 
and you know that you know high performers want to work with high performers that they're bringing along teams that reinforce that you had to read to see that yeah but to me it sent a very strong message the second thing that really jumped out at me is its operating model that this is a firm that is built I don't, I don't know if it's fair to say on you know kind of a alternative market approach to labor if you will but its engineers and designers are coming from very specific geographies in order to address talent shortages cost efficiencies and and other things associated with doing development you know in the United States so you know its markets are Mexico, Vietnam, can't remember the third one, but there was a another kind of key market like that. And that flavor, that kind of global flavor comes through very strongly I think in its in its positioning and its branding. Yeah, no, I I agree. The results piece on your framework there I wanted to point out real quick. That's actually what probably interested me most is I is they had a bunch of, not a bunch, but they had a handful of reviews on Clutch that they had embedded right in the site. And I actually sat and read through all of the reviews and the reviews were really, really good. And they were for significant projects. You could tell that most of them were large scale projects for really good companies, large companies, and they were getting very good reviews. And I just thought that was a really telling thing. So, so it's not necessarily tied to the positioning that per se, or the brand breakdown methodology. But just that for me was like, oh, that's a really good sign that, that they're delivering on what they say they're going to deliver. You know, they have a, they have a phrase in their, some of their brand language, it's in a video. They say, oh, there's promise we deliver, which is a really vague kind of like cliche phrase to me, but you get the sense that there's some real truth behind that statement that they are having success in delivery and clients are recognizing them for that. And that's really probably feeding the growth. So I assume the growth. I have no numbers to back up growth, but it just it's, it does it, on the surface. It seems like they're they're growing and doing really well. You want to shift gears and talk about intellectual capital POV? Yeah, I think your last comments segue nicely into that. I found their intellectual capital again kind of wanting. I didn't see a lot of breakout ideas. They had a lot of guides in white papers like that. I read multiples of them. My sense is the strategy from a a point of view, an intellectual capital perspective is that they're really focused on that segment of intellectual capital called how to, you know, here's how to do X. So it's, the approach is very practical. It's educational it's not insight driven. And to me, that, that seems consistent with the brand, how to. And it's, it's a lower bar, but I think it's an important bar. I don't think it really distinguishes you, but that may be you know, where their ideal client resonates. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I saw even more than the how to. I saw a lot of what I call what's going on content. Mm. You know, So it's like, you know, here's... 50 AI, one of their leading articles is 50 AI tools on the market, top 50 AI tools on the market. It's sort of just kind of telling you what's happening out there, not necessarily telling you even even how to do something or what to do about it. So I agree. I I think that there's definitely an opportunity there, I, I think, for them to step up their intellectual capital game 
And kind of a, this is a very tactical thing, but like when you go into the insights section of their site and you serve up or you access all the insights that are available, a lot of that stuff isn't actually insights at all. It's news. It's, you know, talking about the people that work there, recognitions of awards they've received, attendance at certain conferences. Those aren't insights. Those are news. I only bring this up because I've no, I, I see firms do this a lot and I always try to caution them against it to say to separate those things. You know, so if you have news happenings, things going on that belongs elsewhere on a site platform, it belongs in an about section in a news feed, not under insights. You know, insights are where clients go to learn, to get insight. And they don't get insight from, you know, necessarily hearing about a new hire or that you won a partner award. And that's that's not really insights to them. So it's a granular criticism, but it's one that I, I think is important because when you think about the client's buying journey and, and you're thinking about what they're trying to do and considering we actually came to this as a UX firm, that is a UX problem, right? I mean, it really is. I mean, well, maybe not. I mean, maybe I'm misusing the word UX. But you are definitely, someone's going to, to a section of the site for one reason and they're getting something other than what they expect. And that's yeah. a problem. So, You know, one of the things that did stand out to me with this firm was their case studies. Yes. The case studies were well-structured, easy to access, easy to explore. You could go through a lot of them quickly. But I thought they were substantive. When they talked about the individual challenges of a, of a given client, they spoke with a technicality and specificity that really kept my interest. You know, they were talking about the complexity of developing a given app, the integration of different data platforms, and, you know, the challenges with doing it. To me, that's where most firms trying to transform struggle. And to see that in all that clarity in such a concise way and with such specificity, I think has got to do a lot for demonstrating those results that the firms want to see because they see themselves in, in all that complex detail. Yeah, I agree. Their case studies are, are very good. Each one follows the same structure, so they're consistent. So they go through, they have an executive summary, then they have challenges and solutions and results. They weave in client quotes and client, not necessarily testimonies, but, but, but to some extent testimonies as well. And I agree with you. They're generally, even when they're technical, they're, they're quite readable. I mean, even if you're not a technical user, you pretty much understood conceptually what was going on, even if you didn't understand all of the, the, the nuances and all the details. Because I read a couple that were definitely more technical in nature, and I was able to follow them conceptually. And they're good. They're very good in terms of showing outcomes, really, at the end of the day, showing results of the work. So I agree. That's definitely a highlight in the insights lab, if you will, of the site, I guess, in terms of the thought leadership. Now, here's one thing I would say about the thought leadership and their intellectual capital agenda. And I could completely miss the target on this one, but it was an impression that I got. This is a young firm growing very quickly. It was started in 2013, 2014 as a product company, bought a, another firm that was a services company and changed its trajectory somewhat. And I suspect just launched in terms of growth during COVID as well. But this is a hundred million dollar plus Firm. And what I see here is a fast growth 
firm trying to identify the next fast growth trend and jump on that rocket, if you will. So their intellectual capital and their, their solutions are changing quickly. And we just saw, they just announced some new AI capability, right? AI is, is all the rage, so let's jump on that. And it, it, it definitely gave that feel to me that this is a firm searching for the fastest path to revenue in order to accomplish, and, and this is where I could be wrong, some kind of liquidity event. There's a lot of outside investment in this firm. And my sense is they want to grow it quickly, sell it IPO or, or something. And their intellectual capital agenda is searching for the next big thing, which is not a bad thing. It just makes it seem a little willy-nilly. I did not make that mental leap, but it's a really interesting one that you made. I definitely saw the focus on AI and I saw that as being sort of smart and opportunistic in the sense of, I think if you're an IT services firm right now, especially one that's not sort of attached to a specific platform or ecosystem as some of the ones that we've talked to or had on the on the show are, you almost have to have some, some AI direction right now if you're going to be relevant. But it's interesting that you made that mental leap that it felt like that they were pushing for rapid growth. And that was why. So that's interesting to me. Let's talk about solutions architecture because that's a big part of this. And I thought it was pretty good, but a little confusing at the highest level for me. So what, what did you think about it? To me, it was, it was somewhat of an average solution architecture. It was simple although not intuitive, they kind of broke it down into a category called work, which reminded me of more of the management consulting firms where you had these kind of like trending monikers, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then it had a, a core set of services, which I thought, you know, were straightforward, generic, probably aligned with IT functional buyers and in, in things like that. It just seemed like a menu on a website to me. I didn't see where it really held together in the point of view in intellectual capital or across any of their marketing. To me, it just seemed like kind of a menu. Yeah. I thought the word work in the primary nav to basically lead you into the structure of their offerings or expertise was a strange choice. To me, the word work implies agency and it's where you go to look for case studies in a nav bar anyway. Mm -hmm. And when I found offerings and services under that, I was a little bit surprised and disoriented, I guess. They, they break it into three parts. Offering services and industries is the way they break it down. So how, those are the three different ways you could sort of enter into like learning about how they might be able to help you. I found the offerings and the services to be a little bit, this, like you said, the services felt a little more transactional and straightforward and the offerings felt a little bit more conceptual and high level, like things that they were trying to be more brandable and sort of own. But it was sort of hard to discern the, the, the need for the two and understand how they fit together. I actually really liked some of the language inside some of the offerings. I thought some of like the thinking on the human-centric experience pages itself actually was, was really well-written and sort of felt like an emerging point of view, like that, hey, that there's something here, but that didn't necessarily thread through all of those pages. And it wasn't super clear to me why those pages were there because I just wasn't so sure 
you know, how the client's going to buy. Is, is, is that, does the client go looking for a human-centered experience? Is that, is that how they're thinking? Is that how they're talking? I, I don't know the answer to that. I just, it just felt a little bit off-putting to me in that sense. Not off-putting, that's the wrong word. You know, maybe like it, it wasn't clear to me what those pages were trying to do. One of the things that did jump out at me, it might've been their blog had categories that you could dive into and they had three monikers in there, design, consulting, and engineering. Hmm. And I like that structure because it kind of spoke to the way I would think about product development. It seemed to speak to specific disciplines and buyer interests as well. My thought was that might be a better way to organize some of the the menus, you know, at least categorize them to make them more memorable. But when I got to the intellectual capital, I was able to say, well, what's their perspective on design or what's their perspective on, you know, kind of hardcore engineering? I found that really useful. Hmm. I don't even know where you found that. I, I didn't see that, nor can I replicate it. So be curious to know where you found that. Okay. Anything else you want to say about solutions architecture that jumped out to you as, as interesting or um, unique or concerning? I guess the flip of that. No, I, th- okay. I think I encapsulated by saying it's, it's average. You're listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on growing your professional services firm. Your hosts are Jason Malicki, principal of Rattleback, the marketing agency for professional services firms, and Jeff McKay, former CMO and founder of strategy consultancy, Prudent Pedal. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to Jason and Jeff. All right, personality, tone of voice, copy and imagery. What was your take? Looks like we both kind of rated this similarly. I wrestled with this because, you know, it's something we we look for in the analysis, but it wasn't something that necessarily jumped out at me. I felt like I had to to dig a little for it. I thought given the leadership team, which struck me as a set of of driver type personalities that the broader marketing did not, I don't know, reproduce that perception to me. It just seemed safe and boring (laughs) again. But the personality of the firm that came through, I'll go back to my earlier comment, was this global operating model, that this is a firm that is truly, you know, kind of multinational and drawing from talent in different geographies and that there's this kind of personality focused on learning, that learning was important to this organization. Yeah, I didn't spend a ton of time in it, but they have a whole academy, which I thought was a really interesting thing where they're doing boot camps and webinars and it's a very um, structured on people development. To your point, that does definitely send a clear message about the importance of learning in the firm. I found the personality to be, I should say the tone of voice, they came off as very confident. I mean, to me anyway, they use this phrase, let's make digital your superpower, mm-hmm. which is a pretty big promise. Like, you know, like we're not just going to make you more digital. We're going to make you your competitive advantage, right? That's a mm-hmm. very confident claim. And like I said earlier, they use that phrase, you know, others promise we deliver. Again, it feels a little cliche to me, but I do think it's clearly sending, you know, a confident message that, we, you know, 
not only are we promising to make digital competitive advantage for you, we're also telling you that we're, we deliver on that promise, essentially, is what they're kind of loosely saying. Nothing about the tone seemed like uniquely theirs to me. It wasn't like anything jumped out and said to me that was super discernible. I guess I'm sort of leeching a little bit into the visual visualization of things away from the messaging. Mm-hmm. But I did, for me, the tone was a very confident tone. It wasn't off-putting for the most part. I mean, digital is your superpower is sort of playful, but it's not, it doesn't feel like it's overly boastful to me necessarily. Sometimes claims like that can feel sort of off-putting, but it but didn't feel that way to me. Maybe you disagree. <laughs> no, I agree. It, it, it just, I'm just not left with a strong impression outside of my, the formulation of my own biases that I've already said, right? I look at the leadership team. I make some assumptions about how they probably lead. I look at the operating model and the people that make up the firm. And my sense is it, the personality reflects those strategic choices. And without meeting the people, it's, it's kind of hard to tell, but I did, I did take away that this is an organization that cares about its people, their learning and their development, and that it's trying to stay in front of the trends and identify those growth opportunities. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk about brand identity. Let's talk about kind of the visual look and feel of things. What was your feel about that? Did you think it was effective? This is another one of those brands that to me is, I don't know, forgettable. There there wasn't anything distinct that like, wow, I'll remember this next time I see something from them. The, the website, without a doubt, is very well done, in my opinion, very clean, nicely designed. In some respects, it, it had, I don't want to overstate this, but it had that kind of fashion magazine feel that we identified in that McKinsey brand breakdown that we did. It leaned in that direction. I don't think it went as far as, as McKinsey on that, but I thought the site was nice and clean. It wasn't consistent with the thought leadership, the guides and stuff. They were, they seem to be over-engineered to some degree in my mind, but none of it really stuck out with me other than say, you know, nice, clean look and feel. Yeah. There was nothing that was, that was really unique or distinct in terms of most of their visual tool sets from what I can tell. There's, you know, especially as it relates to a lot of the thought leadership and even the case studies, there's just a lot of use of stock photography, you know, in contrast to the McKinsey reference you made, McKinsey goes out of their way to really take ownership of every visual asset and make it sort of uniquely McKinsey. And I don't think that this firm's there. I think the the shell that is the site design has some things going for it that make it sort of unique. Some of the iconography that they use you know, some of the functionality, there's actually one feature I'll talk about later that I I really like a lot that is, you know, not necessarily a visual tool set as much as it is a functional tool that I think is really, really clever. But for the most part, I would say, you know, as we've said a couple of times, it's like you could very easily pull this logo out, stick another one in, and I don't know that you would miss a beat. There's not a whole lot going on inside of the visual experience that is so unique to WiseLine that that it would be hard to pull it away and put it somewhere else. But to your, to your point, in terms of being effective, clean, easy to navigate, pleasing to the eye, pleasing to the user, I think it, they absolutely hit check all those boxes, which sometimes is the most important thing, right? Getting that first level is, is the first, you have to be able to do that before you can do 
things that are more differentiating. So I agree. My sense is this is a firm that is spending a lot of money on marketing relative to other firms, it's its size. Like I said, the website is very well developed. There is a lot of collateral and stuff. Their tech stack is pretty comprehensive as well. Because I took a I took a look at some of the technologies touching the website and you know, they got, you know, best of breed in almost every category that they're using in their their marketing and business development stack. And to me, they're looking to to grow and they're spending the money to make it happen. Make it happen. All right, employer brand. So the sixth dimension, what's what's your take on that? Looks like you saw some things that were a little bit interesting yeah. or concerning. Uh, or my sense is, looking at Glassdoor, that the people love this firm. They love working there. They love the learning. They like the culture. There are a lot of good things happening there. The leadership, the CEO, has a pretty high approval rating, almost 80%. And when you look at the reviews on Glassdoor, this firm performs overall really well. It had a a 4.0 score on a five-point scale. That's better than all the big four consulting firms who are in the threes. Not quite as good as you know the big three management consulting firms, but I think rock solid perception with, within the firm. I suspect yeah. that score would have been even higher, but reading between the lines of the reviews, my sense is wise line made some cutbacks recently, like all the other big firms in anticipation of a global recession and slowing down and didn't communicate well around those changes and why they were happening. And that sent reverberations through the organization and that their trust in leadership probably took a hit as a result of that. I didn't get the sense that the leadership team was was taking ownership for those miscommunications. They could be, but my sense was the consultants had this expectation and the management team fell below those. Therefore, that gap created some significant dissatisfaction that's going to take a little time to recover. But the leadership team will do that. All right. How'd you score the firm? I scored them in total pretty well. I gave them a 58 out of 100. You gave them a, a 56. So we're pretty consistent. Although for different reasons, right? You saw strengths and and that yeah. I didn't see. And I saw strengths that that you didn't see. But I like this firm. I just can't believe I've never heard of it. Yeah. Well, it's a pretty new firm. And I think as you kind of like navigated down into the business model a little bit, it could be that by the nature of the business model, they're not showing up in some of your your competitive settings for the firms you're dealing with. So let's do some takeaways. You know, what was one thing that you loved that you saw and one thing that you, I don't want to say hated, maybe, maybe hate it's too harsh, but one thing you loved, one thing that you did not love? <laughs> Is that the way to put it? One of the things I loved about this firm was leadership's commitment to this global operating model and operating out of these geographies. The the CEO is from Mexico and immigrated to the US with his parents as a as a child and started a company in in Mexico 
after leaving Google, sold that company and then started this one and has really committed to to Mexico and in these other geographies in, in the development of the talent there. I mean, there was already a, a talent pool in these geographies, but adding to it, I think speaks volumes to me about the brand and the leadership and the commitment to to the people. And I really like that. They know who they are and what they're trying to achieve. All right. I like that. What's the flip? Flip side of that. Maybe it's biggest opportunity. I mean, that's a better way to put it. What's the biggest opportunity? I'd say two, two things. And and I'm not sure I'm not sure about the first yeah, one. Yeah, pick one. I, is I, I, I would like to see more insights, less how to out of a firm. If you're cutting edge product development, making a superpower, I'd love to see more insights and maybe a different type of case study focus that said, wow, that is a breakout idea that you were a part of. I'd like to see that. The second, interesting work on building a little more awareness for the firm. <laughs> Maybe they're showing up in, in places I just don't go, but I think this is a, a great firm that people should know about. All right. So I'll do the same. I guess I'm going to start with what I, I actually, based on what you said, I think is the biggest opportunity is definitely in thought leadership. And I think what's interesting is as you were talking about the founding story and everything that they're doing in those markets in Mexico and Vietnam and other places, it's like there's no real like thought leadership around that at all. And so much of that is the is the founding story and, and it's just not coming out. And so I would love to see, you know, like them kind of exercise your thought leadership muscles, especially around some of those domains, some of some of those concepts that are sort of broader than than any of the the specific tech channels that that they're publishing in right now. So I think there's a big opportunity to do a lot with thought leadership for this firm, because it does seem like they've got the credibility from a project level and, and there's satisfied clients and there's a lot of good things happening. And so now you, you lift the bar on the insights front. And I think that would do a long, go a long way in solving your awareness. Well, one of the, one of those areas is one that you always talk about and that's primary research. I felt like they were repurposing a lot of other people's yeah. stuff to set up the issues instead of their yeah. own. And you know, the one thing I really like, which is incredibly tactical and incredibly granular, like it's super granular, by the way, right on the homepage, they've got this tool. It's sort of down towards the bottom and it's basically, it's sort of like a contact form, but it says, ready to make digital your superpower, tell us how we can help. And it's sort of like, it's a little click experience and you sort of start to tell them a little bit about what you're looking for. Again, it's super tactical, but I really like it because rather than just being a flat contact form, that says, you know, give me your name, give me your email, tell me about your project. They're, they're sort of like leading you through a little bit of a mini experience that leads into that form and sort of making it feel a little more interactive and sort of just in, engaging you a little bit more. I think it's a really clever approach to trying to get a digital conversation started with a prospective client. I don't know that it's fully baked. I love the idea of it. And I think it's it's a pretty sound execution of, of what it is. So again, super tactical, super granular, but something that I think any firm could really apply anywhere, something along those lines. Again, to improve conversions, which is one of the most important things in digital marketing is how do you get the prospective client that's interested in working with you to actually start the conversation? Because frequently they, they just don't. 
And so you're always looking for better ways to do that. Or we're always looking for better ways to do that. Okay. I think we're at a wrap unless, unless there's anything else. I mean, I guess one quick context. I think this firm rated the second highest of all the firms we've done so far. So that's those scores, while they sound low, I think actually are pretty good. So I think we're, we're a pair of curmudgeons <laughs> that don't really score people very high. My favorite story is I had a client once. I sat down with him and I said, his name is Lars. I said, Lars, you know, how do you feel we're doing? And he said, well, on a scale of one to 10, I, I give you a, a four. And I said, oh my God, that sounds terrible. And he's like, well, Jason, I'm German. He's like, that's the highest <laughs> score I've given anybody. <laughs> and I said, oh, well, then I don't feel so bad. <laughs> he's like, a six would be a miracle. <laughs> so maybe that's us. So Jeff. See you, buddy. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Find content related to this episode at rattleandpedal.com. Rattle and Pedal is also available on iTunes and Stitcher.